0: Hey guys, welcome back to episode three of Cheesy Chats with Emmy. I'm so happy to have you here. I hope you've had a wonderful day. And if you're heading out to work or if you're just, you know, winding down, you just finished your work day, whatever it may be. I hope that your day is going well and I hope that this podcast can add a little bit of joy to your life. So let's get right into it. This episode is going to just be answering some questions that I received after the first podcast. Blah, blah. This podcast episode is just going to be basically a Q&A. This is like an Ask Me Anything. And if you guys want more of these episodes, please let me know. It's basically going to be, I received like a variety of different questions that people wanted me to answer on the pod. So I'm going to do what you ask because I listen to you and only you. So let's get right into it. First and foremost, maybe my most controversial opinion ever. There's two of my most controversial opinions in the charcuterie world, I have been absolutely flamed for both of them. The two most asked questions when I posted this, saying like, "Ask me anything," this was it: Why no salami roses and why no green grapes on cheese boards? And I'm gonna dive into both of them. This is a heavy hitting topic, so I thought, without further ado, let's get into it. First of all, why do I prefer red grapes over green grapes on cheese boards? I would love for maybe a painter or an artist to pipe in here because I feel like and I might be completely wrong, but I feel like there's something about the color palette. Okay? Now I'm going to get into really a nitty-gritty here, but here's my thought. Cheese boards, they have a lot of white and like pale colors. Most cheeses are of that variety, right? And then you've got some darker colors, like you have blackberries and you have strawberries, red tones, okay? So you've got pales and you've got red tones. Also, this is a disclaimer. I am not an artist, okay? So I don't really know. I could be using completely wrong terms here, but, and I might just be using tones, the word tones, just to make myself sound smarter, but I really feel like there's some science to this, okay? So if you're an artist, back me up. Anyway, continuing on. So here's the thing. When you add in, when this board all already has warm and red tones, when you add in green, I feel like it throws off the whole thing. Like, I feel like it's an eyesore to me, personally, and I think that what I like to do instead is use red grapes. It complements the strawberries on the board. It brings out the colors in the meat. If you're using a nice prosciutto ribbon or a salami river, perhaps, it's going to be, you know, in embellished by this color in the red grapes. I also like black grapes. I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. Okay. I think that, you know, maybe not during the summer, I would say. I think those are a little bit too harsh. Okay. But I think that red grapes in general complement boards and create less of an eyesore as opposed to green grapes. I also love to put blackberries on top of my grapes because I think that it adds a difference in texture. It makes things kind of look fun and it adds a darker contrast to the red grapes. So then you've got dark, almost black, dark purple, okay, for the blackberries. And then you have the little pop of red grape, okay? So that's what I, This these are my thoughts. Here are my exceptions to the golden rule of why you never use green grapes exceptions include if you are going to be doing a St. Patrick's day board, okay? That is totally fine by me. Go to town. That is your one day of the year that you can use green grapes in my opinion, just kidding. More than that, okay? Second occasion would be if it's a kids cheese board. Kids tend to like green grapes more than red grapes. I don't know what it is about them. They love them. And, you know, I I'm not going to lie. I think that red grapes they look better, and I feel like they taste more expensive. Okay, this this is not backed up by anything. They just do. I feel like green grapes have a really really sweet flavor, and it's kind of like childish almost. Okay, that that might be that might be a little overkill. I might be really grasping at straws there, but I personally feel like the red grapes just tend to feel more luxurious with like a sharp cheddar. Whereas I would not pair a green grape with a sharp cheddar. I don't know why. Um, maybe somebody in the cheese community can explain that to me. And anyway, those are my thoughts. I also feel like I have made, I've made the occasional cheese board with a green grape and I have felt like it looked okay when it was like with a prosciutto. If There's a lot of like pink tones, not red because red and green is Christmas. Specifically pink tones like with meat, such as prosciutto ribbons and salami ri- rivers, not roses, rivers. That combination with green grapes, that's okay. That is fine. However, I would probably omit strawberries if I was going to do green grapes. And I really do think that it's because if I see a lot of red on green on a board, immediately my mind goes to Christmas. Okay. Call me the Grinch, but I just don't feel like those belong on cheese boards any other time of the year. Okay, that's all I'm gonna if you have any more questions, if you want to fight me in the comment section, continue. Go, go for it, Queen. I already got roasted by Sheck Eats. I I made like multiple videos about why I hate green grapes on Instagram. And like, guys, it's not that deep. First of all, it's really not. So if you disagree with me here, like you are totally entitled to that opinion. It's okay. You can like your green grapes. I'm not gonna take them away from you. Okay. But I just like I thought it was crazy to me how angry people got when I made that video. Like, first of all, it did what exactly what I wanted. It accomplished exactly what I wanted it to, but it was just wild to me because people were like, no, like I disagree. I love green grapes, like blah 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 blah. It was crazy. People got their panties in a wad about it. So anyway. Now, moving on to salami roses. I came out with this controversial opinion probably in 2022, and my goodness, did it have people quaking? I mean, I, if you're on social media, you've seen the salami rose wine glass video. That video is like in the hall of fame on charcuterie TikTok, if you will. Like, it is, it's big time. So, anyway. The concept is that you put a bunch of pieces of salami on a wine glass and then you flip it upside down. Here are my reasons why I don't. And let me tell you, everyone goes through phases, okay? I went through my salami rose phase. Thankfully, I was I was only in it for a few months and I was able to overcome it. But I know some of you guys are still in your phase. And one day you're going to look back and you're going to side with me on this. But until that day... I will be putting out content to prove to you why I don't think salami roses are superior. Here's the general reason why I don't like salami roses. First of all, I think that they're unsanitary. I know a lot of people come at me in the comment section saying, chocolate boards are all unsanitary. Yeah, you're right. It's not, you know, it's not the most practical thing if you're eating with a bunch of people that you're concerned have germs. Here's my reason why I don't like salami roses specifically. Imagine you grab a piece of the salami rose. First of all, you kind of have to like grip it. You got to put your hand on it and then you you're maneuvering that one piece out. Now, one of two things happens. And the third option is that it just seamlessly comes out and the whole rose stays intact, which if that is the case for you, then like karma is your boyfriend because that does not happen for me. Whenever I've tried to take a piece out of a salami rose, what ends up happening, the entire thing collapses. Like it, it is like pulling a Jenga piece out of the bottom. The whole thing goes down, okay? So that is what, why I don't like it. First of all, it only takes one person and then it's ruined. So you better have taken your photos before because it will not look good after that person grabs the salami piece, okay? Reason number two you just have so many hands on that on that salami rose. So by the time you're at like the last piece of the rose, God bless you. I hope you brought hand sanitizer with you because that has been touched by however many people are eating that cheese board times 10. Like, not actually, but it just feels like it's like there's too many touch points on a salami rose. I don't, I don't like it. And I also, I do feel like it looks like I don't know. Sometimes some, there are some that I love. Like I feel like there's some charcuterie girlies out there that have nailed it. Like they have perfected the art of charcuterie rose. And then there's other people who make it using the wine glass one. And it just like has this weird hole in the center. And then the outside is like kind of floppy. Like I just, I don't know. I don't think it keeps its integrity very well. And for a variety of reasons, I just feel like A salami river is the simpler, easy way to go about this. Okay. And if you want to get fancy with anything, get fancy with a prosciutto ribbon. Okay. That is difficult. It looks appealing. People are impressed by it. I feel like the impression factor on a salami rose, it's only lasts until the first piece is taken. Then it's, then it's out the window. Okay. And that is why I will never be a fan of Salami Rose. Now let's switch into more serious gears. Okay, this is those two were very fun. But I had another question that somebody asked saying, when should I know to break away into a full-blown business versus just maintaining a side hustle? So here's the thing. I'm a little bit biased. I started this during a gap year when I was doing nothing else besides just doing the cheese board business. So I can't really speak to this. I I know that a lot of people like Gary V specifically makes videos saying like you know, it's your nine to five, but it's also your five to 12. And like, I don't know who in their right minds is going to a nine to five job and then coming home and starting their small business at night. Like that just seems like hell to me. And I am so proud of you. And I empower you if you're doing that, like more power to you because I could not do that. I I am a girly who loves her sleep. Here's when I would say you should know that you're you're ready to break away. When you pour your heart and soul into a business i I wholeheartedly believe that the sales will follow. So if you are currently running your business and you're only doing it like two days a week or whatever and you're getting orders on those two days a week, I promise you that if you were to fully go at it a hundred percent you would it would it would grow exponentially, and I even feel this right now because I'm a student at u s c studying business, you know and i'm in I'm in classes five days a week. And I'm studying and I'm doing all these things for my college education. I haven't been only working on the business like as my only thing, you know, my only venture since I was 18 or 19 years old. I'm now 22. It's been a full, I'm a junior. It's been three years since it's just been me doing the business. And I know that the minute I graduate and I pursue this full time, it's going to be game over. Like just get ready guys because it's going to be big time. I think that when you pour energy into something, the world works out in mysterious ways and it will be reciprocated. Now on a more logical path and away from the hoo-ha, maybe spiritual emotional stuff, I think that you have to have a you have to have a steady income. Like I would say you've gotta have, you know, I was just thinking about this the other day. In holiday months, we receive two to three times what our regular orders are per month. Now, if that weren't the case, so I think that what I would do is stand back and take an average of all of your months. Like, let's say that you get 25 orders a month right now, and let's say that you were to pursue this full time. I don't know, maybe like sheepishly, it would increase by 30%. Like, I think if you pursued this full time, it could probably increase by 25 to 30%. That's pretty realistic. Now, is that number something that you're comfortable with? There's a lot of factors that come into play here. And I and I can't speak to that. Like if you can afford your rent or if you have somebody else who's supporting you financially, that sort of stuff. But I think that it's it's always on a more practical path. A piece of advice that I heard a long time ago is that it's always easier to start a business today than it will be in six months. So... And it's easier to pursue something full-time now than it is in six months. And it's never going to be easy. That's the reality is that it's never easy to start a business. And if it was, then everyone would have one, right? So I think that you have to come, you have to weigh a lot of different factors. It's a very, very difficult decision. Something that this question kind of sparked in me is that I hear a lot of people using the term side hustle and passion project. Side hustle, I understand. That makes sense to me. Passion project, however, it feels like you're demoting someone's entrepreneurial spirit. To me, the word passion project, it feels elementary and it feels like, oh, like, you know, I mean, I'm I'm learning how to needlepoint. Oh, that's a fun passion project. Like, it sounds like you're demeaning someone. And I don't know if that's just me. I could be speaking out of turn here. I could be the only one who feels this way. I really get upset, though, when people reference my business. I try not to, but it's hard not to. When people are like, wow, it's amazing that your passion project is, you know, so big. And it's like, it's not a project. First of all, it's a business. And second of all, yes, it's a passion. It's a passion business. Like, you know, I guess I will say I love, I mean, here I am, Sophisticated Spreads, Cheesy Chats. I love alliteration. I am a Ho for alliteration. And I love the term. I love the idea of the term passion project. I just feel like maybe it's just me. It feels demeaning though. But I think that you have to, and I guess another part of this question is writing the emotional waves of delegating your time. I think that it's super important to sit down with yourself and with anything in life, you got to plan. And you got to have conversations with yourself and you have to know where your head's at and what you're willing to sacrifice and delegate because, but I guess in short, I do truly believe that if you devote everything and you drop everything to something you're super passionate about versus staying in a corporate job that you don't really like, I promise you that the first will be more successful for you. And even if it's not financially more successful, it's going to be more rewarding And I think that that's what it's all about. Like, I I mean, don't, obviously don't talk to me about finances. Like I, I can't give you advice there, but I do think that it's so important to do work that's rewarding for you. And I will say that working and having your own business, it's definitely more stressful at times. And it's, it's, you know, it can be lonely being the only entrepreneur in the business and you don't have, you know, something I sometimes crave about. being in the corporate world is that when you have a bad day, you know, you go to your team and you're like, well, there's five of us and like, you're able to commiserate. For me, when I screw up an order, it's like, who am I going to look at but myself in the mirror, you know? So I think that you got to, you got to think and weigh the balances. So I hope that this is somewhat helpful. I know I can't really speak to this because I, I mean, my, I didn't really have, it wasn't a side hustle was always my like number one heart and soul but I do think that right now when I'm in college I'm kind of going back and forth and debating this like am I going to pursue because that's the other thing a lot of people ask me all the time like so like are you going to apply for jobs or what are you going to do when you graduate college and for me I I want to pursue I want to take sophisticated spreads as far as it'll go like I'm going to be mrs cheese boss global like worldwide that's the goal um But it's hard because you have to realize like, okay, but I might be passing up on an opportunity to enter into the workforce and get this six-figure salary that's consistent and I'm working under someone and there's not, you know, the stress of like, are we getting orders and all that sort of stuff? It's definitely difficult. And um, I will say everyone's facing that challenge all the time. So, But I think that if the energy is there, the rest will follow. And another question that I received is, as a professional, what do you consider taboo in the charcuterie world? I feel like I've already kind of gone into the salami roses and the green grapes. But I would say my final answer is that every, quote, every cheese has to be expensive in order to be good. I don't think that that's true. I feel as though a lot of cheeses that are inexpensive and that they're at the grocery store are the best cheeses. I if you know me, you know I love borsin. If I was going to a desert island and I was bringing 3 items, one of those best be a little a little thing of garlic and chive borsin. 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 I don't know how to say that in French. So I wholeheartedly believe in this. I think that I think it has to be sourced well, but I and I think that when you have the option at a grocery store of choosing between kind of like a cheap cheddar or like, you know, spending a few more dollars and getting a nice chatter that maybe has a little crystallization and that sort of stuff. Like, yeah, that's worth it. A hundred percent. But in general, I don't believe that every single cheese needs to be expensive in order to be good. I promised you guys episode one, I was going to keep this short and sweet. So I, I'm sticking to my word. Sue me if you will. Um, You know, I'm sorry if you wanted this to be a little bit longer, but I hope that you learned a few things. And if you have any more questions, I want to do consistently do episodes like this about like ask me anything. So for sure, reach out to me and let me know if you have any questions that you are dying to have answered, whether it's, you know, business advice or if you just want to know what kind of cheese, if I was getting three cheeses at Trader Joe's, what would I get? I can also answer that for you. So. Thank you again for listening. I'm so grateful to have you here. Feel free to share this with a friend. Send me an Instagram direct message with a question. And as always, cheese the day, guys. I love you. Bye.